Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. Today's guest is Dave Combs, coming to us from the USA. He's a songwriter, entrepreneur, business executive, and a best-selling Amazon author. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Rayol. I really appreciate being on today, and uh, it's a real privilege to be on your show today. Well, this is the magic of the world, is that that we can be sitting on opposite sides of the world and, and chatting about our common interest in life, business, excellence, and all things in between. So, Dave... For our listeners now who, who may or may not know the the story and music of Rachel's song and how it can change your life and your book called Touched by the Music, can you give us a little bit of your own background of 120 songs you've written, etc.? I can't I can't adequately describe it as well as you could. Well, I, I, I grew up in a musical family, so uh, music was part of my life since I can remember. And actually, I was 34 years old when I first wrote my first song, which was Rachel's song. And that was in 1981. And uh, since then, I've, of course, got it recorded and written more songs and produced more albums. And uh, I got my music played on the radio. Way back then, we used to have what we called easy listening radio stations. Got played on all of those. And even ironically, uh, one of the stories is that my music got taken to Australia by a friend, and it was the number one requested instrumental in the country of Australia for two years running on uh, 2CH and 6KY radio stations. And uh, and I've got it played uh, all over the, the world, literally now, on the Internet. So I ended up producing over uh, 120 songs. I wrote over 120 songs. I've recorded over 170 and 15 albums and last year during the pandemic when everybody in the world was kind of like like we were at home kind of wondering when are we going to get this behind us i spent the year and wrote down all these stories that i have accumulated over the past 40 years about my music and so thus my my book touched by the music is really full of these stories of how i built my music business and then how it touched both my life and the lives of literally millions of other people as well. So, so Dave, I mean, you know, that's a long time in the music industry and obviously a lot of change. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a vinyl collector. I have about 400 vinyl albums and about 1,000 singles. I ran a disco in the 80s, and so I had all these singles from the disco. My question, actually, before we get into the top five, is how has the industry changed with Spotify um, and YouTube um, as, as two main mediums. How, how has the revenue model changed for, for aspiring musicians? Well, it, it has gone strictly from back in my early start was physical sales of <laughs> originally cassette tapes and then uh, CDs. And I never did produce a vinyl record except for I did do a 45 single of Rachel's song. I did do that in vinyl. That was my first product, actually. But it, the music business has evolved, as everyone knows, from all those physical products. And then in the late 1990s, uh, we were introduced to the Internet and downloading. And Napster came along, you remember, and was that was the big controversy over downloads for free. Well, <laughs> us musicians didn't really appreciate people getting our intellectual property for free because that really devalued our, our, create, our creativity. Well, luckily, the, the 
music business then further evolved as Apple introduced iTunes and the digital sale of music through, uh, you know, the 99 cent per song kind of download. And then, as you know, since then, even downloads, I think, are taking a back seat to the streaming media like Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio. All of these streaming mediums have now taken off. And so the, the issue now is how much do the artists and performers get paid on a per stream basis? Your listeners will probably be uh, as astonished as I was when I calculated it. How much money do you think I get paid for when a stream of one of my songs is streamed anywhere in the world? would have said a point something of a cent. Exactly right. It's 0.2 pennies. That's the average, 0.2 pennies. Well, you can imagine you have to have a, a truckload of, of streams before you get any money of any size at all in today's business model for music. So it is very, very difficult. It's very competitive. It's crowded. The marketplace is very crowded. So that's how the, the business has evolved. Now, who knows? You know, I'm really, I, I like your, uh, your talking about your vinyl. Vinyl has, for some reason, made a real comeback. People are re- reduce, producing albums back in a, a for, you know, a big vinyl uh, record, and I've even thought about doing that with mine. Although I'm, <laughs> that's an expensive process at this point for me, but it is an interesting uh, turn of events where things that used to be now come back. Uh, it's the sound of vinyl. Is there's something unique and smooth about those vinyl records. Well, it, it is, but it, what, what strikes me is that it's it's all the uh, baby boomers um, and who are buying the vinyl and buying ridiculously expensive systems on which to listen to them. But, but the, you actually made a point there about, you know, the competitiveness in the industry, and, and that brings me to your five... Um, you know, your five top tips. Now, when when we spoke initially, you said five top tips for, you know, creating a music business or successful music business. And when you sent me the five top tips, I went, I'm pretty sure these all apply to business as a broad thing. So, but we're going to use the music industry as the analogy. So what is your first, you know, your first tip for people um, in the five top tips? The first thing was, and it's, it's exactly what happened to me, was the creation of a quality product. In my case, it was the writing and recording of Rachel's song, which got recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, by a professional recording artist uh, or a session musician by the name of Gary Prim, who's a very professional, very much in demand, and wonderful piano keyboardist in, in Nashville. Well, I went from my song, which was only me playing it and, you know, written down on a piece of paper to Gary performing it in the studio in a very uh, amazing recording. So I had the first tenet of my five uh, characteristics for building a successful business. I had a quality product. You need something that is a best as you can make it. And I mean, does it matter if in the music industry using a specific you, you, it's your own original work or it's a cover of, of, of someone else's song? Well, it, if you're a performing artist, uh, not, a, not a songwriter, composer person, that where you write it and hand it over to someone else like I did, but if you're a performer and an excellent uh, performer, like my, my good friend Barry Tognolini, who, is, who recorded Rachel's song on, on his album, and he's from Australia, but 
he's a performing artist. He's not a composer. So if you're a, if you're a performer, the same thing, same principle applies. If you go in the studio and perform, you want that performance to be the best it can be so that it, when it falls on somebody's ears, they go, wow, I like that. I want to, I want to buy that or I want to hear it more. So, so if we apply that same principle to business, you know, you don't necessarily have to invent the new mousetrap, the better mousetrap. I mean, it'd be great if you did and you sold billions of them around the world. But even if you don't, if you have a, a relatively generic product, a cover, you know, I'm not saying steal someone else's patent, but, but you, know, what, you know, you do lots of things around that product, you can still do very well out of it. So although everyone's searching for, you know, the, the, the next big thing, the next, they don't really need to be, they just need to find a quality product. Would you, would you kind of sum it up like that? Yes, and it can actually be a quality service. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be a podcast like yours. You know, you, you want your podcast to be the very best product you can make every episode that you make. Absolutely. And so, so going on, so we've got the product, the product sitting there. Um, what's the next real, you know, the next step in the top five? Well, for me, it was saying, okay, I've got my song now recorded. And I've got it, but nobody else knows about it. And so the question then is to identify the demographics and geographics of your people that you want to uh, expose your product to. You know, in my case, it was a list. I wanted people to hear Rachel's song when I had to sit down and my wife and I sat and thought, how many different ways and places can people be exposed to Rachel's? So how can they hear it? Not just on the radio. <clears throat> where are other where are other places that people discover music? Well, back then it was in physical locations, little uh, gift shops, and that's another whole story of how I grew my business from one gift shop to over a thousand. But that was a place to sell my to, to expose my music, and then and the result is that it gets sold because people hear it and want to buy it. And the same thing applies to any product. You know, you've got to think about uh, where are all the places that I could offer my product for sale. Now, today's uh, economy, you can put something on the Internet and offer it for sale through Amazon or through uh, all these platforms that you can sell it to anywhere in the world. And if it's a digital product, like music can be a digital product, whether it's uh music or in my case i also have piano music books those are can be done in a pdf format so you can literally put the digital product up on a platform and offer it for sale anywhere in the world 24 7 so that's the second thing is to identify and spend a lot of time thinking about how is the various ways and small and large of exposing your product to your potential customers so talk about your potential customers. You 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 describe your music, or you you describe the radio stations you play it as easy listening. Okay? Mm -hmm. so that would be the 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 way you described it. So how do you identify, you know, who is the demographic of the easy easy listening when you when you write your songs? Do you have a, an avatar in mind of the person sitting listening to it, or do you write what you feel? is the right song? Well, the latter is actually my case, although I've obviously 
as time went on, I got I was thinking about those people that would be hearing it. But it essentially if I, I just decided that if I like the music, I have a pretty good ear for music. I've always been able to tell. And I'm sure you have too. when you hear the first time you ever heard a song like, for example, the Beatles, Hey Jude. And I knew that song was going to be a hit. I didn't have nobody had to ask me, or tell me it was I knew that was a hit. All these the, the number one hits and instrumental songs like the the theme from Love Story that was played on the radio, a piano with I think it was Henry Mancini did that one. I heard that song the first time. I said, that's a hit that I knew it. Well, I kind of felt that way about the music that Gary Prim was performing and arranging from my music. I knew in my heart that this was something I love to hear. And if I love to hear it, I knew that I wasn't alone. I wasn't by myself. There were lots of other people. Now, it just so happened that I did do a survey eventually of my customers. I built up a number of customer base, thousands of people eventually. And I did want to know what my demographic was. And I hired a an MBA class, uh, class project program of students to do a random sample telephone survey of my customers. And they, they did a paper on it. They got credit for it in class, but they determined who my, what the demographics were. And it was, in my case at that time, it was mostly female, mostly over 35. And those were the, the two basic characteristics, which I kind of knew in my gut anyway. But uh, eventually you can confirm your customers as you get some of those customers who do buy your product. And then you will know, have more confidence about marketing to that particular geographic or demographic segment of the market. Okay. And so then you, you mentioned something else and you, you kind of flipped over it. And I went, hang on a second. My business brains kicked in. You said, <laughs> how did you go from one gift store to a thousand? Um, and, and, and how did you do that? Because that was really taking your channel marketing quite specific, but wide. How did you do that? Well, it was, uh, first of all, discovering that, that that was going to be my most profitable channel. I'd, I'd like to take credit for, re- for realizing that myself, but I didn't. It was one of those that we call him a God wink, things that just happened. And you're blessed that it did because it really the light bulb comes on and say, aha, that's what I need to do. But I had a friend who gave my CD of Rachel's song to a lady who owned a gift shop. And the shop was called America. It was a patriotic kind of store. I'm sure every country has their kind of patriotic things. And so this shop, she played patriotic music in the store uh, along with her merchandise she was selling. And when she put Rachel's song in her CD changer at the time, here would come John Philip Sousa. And when it finished, here comes Rachel's song. Well, (laughs) you can imagine the contrast. It was like a a musical whiplash, you know, Uh, go from really pompous music to something really soft, soothing, relaxing. Well, every customer in her store would hear that music stop and go over to the counter and say, Jane, do you have that uh, music that is playing? Do you have that for sale? What is it? And she didn't. And so she called me and says, "Uh, Dave, (laughs) you've got to sell me some CDs at wholesale so I can offer them to my customers. Well, she did. And the long story short is I took her a box of CDs uh, and and a week later, she calls and says, well, those are all gone. Let's double the order. And we did that every week for over a couple of years. And so she sold thousands of just that one CD. That's all I had at the time was Rachel's song. So that was when my MBA and uh, analytical business mind kicked in and said, OK, Combs, 
I did the spreadsheet on how much money I was making on that one gift shop. I made me a, a column for that one. And I said, okay, let's assume I only have one gift shop in every state in the country. That's the column one will be column two, will be column one times 50. So I looked at the bottom line number on that one. I said, hmm, that's a nice looking profitable number, gross profit. And I said, well, what if we just had five in every state? 250 gift shops. And I did the column three with 250. I said, hey, Linda, come here. Look at this number. <laughs> it's more than I make it work. <laughs> and I had a really good paying job at Western Electric AT&T at the time. So that's kind of where the, the business model formed itself. You know, I, I can't take credit for the, the first gift of the CD to Jane at the gift shop. But I saw quickly, and that's one of my principles of, of success, is identifying the channel that you're going to offer your product or service to. And once you've decided which is the most profitable, best way to go, you go for it. And that's how I took it from that one gift shop. I made phone calls. We visited gift shops. I, I did all kinds of marketing to gift shops and grew it from one to over a thousand gift shops, which eventually enabled me in 1992 to quit my good paying job and do my music full time. The end of that story is is also a whole lesson in life about pursuing <laughs> one's passions, you know, and, and actually having the ability. And, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that in my life too, but mm -hmm. to pursue, you know, your passion. And because you had done some, some clever things in building the business. And so that's often why we go into business is because sometimes it's about creating a life for ourselves. It, it is about the money. I mean, we do want to make money out of it because you don't want to lose money, but it is about sometimes the lifestyle. And I look at businesses today who use a shotgun approach and shoot at everything. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your fifth point, you said that you select the top of the two channels and duplicate the heck out of those channels for marketing. Yes. And so obviously you duplicated the first one, which was your, your gift stores. How, right. how, did, how else did you apply that principle? Well, Today, as we're talking on your podcast, I have, uh, I'm trying to, about every day I'm on at least two or three podcasts talking about my music and my book and so forth. So I have found that the, the channel of getting the word out about my music and my book, one of the best channels that I have found so far in this crowded marketplace is podcasts. I love the, the these one-on-ones like you and I, and, you know, I feel like by the time we're finished, we're going to think of each other as friends as opposed to just, oh, I met this guy, whatever. I really enjoy getting to know the hosts of these podcasts. They are wonderful people, and several of them are, are I still stay in touch with. But that's the medium that where I, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of my gift shop thing, where now I'm trying to find... Oh, so there really are thousands of podcasts around the world on every subject you can imagine and finding a way to whittle it down to, okay, where are those that are really interested in entrepreneurs and perhaps music, but the, the business of creating a, a, a business through whatever it is that you're trying to uh, turn your life into, you turn your hobby into a career, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm really enjoying this particular channel now of of talking to folks like you. Well, that's that's what I love. There are 1.9 million podcasts in the world, they say. And uh, at this point in, in 2022, there's 1.9 million podcasts and uh, growing every day. But it, you know, it is about standing out from the crowd. 
Well, Dave, I mean, that's been, you know, an amazing conversation because we really started with the premise of you creating a music business and how that same principles, and that's where a lot of people get sidetracked, I believe, that they try and 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 stick to, you know, the, the one industry and don't actually look outside themselves. There was a, a famous Harvard professor who influenced me when I was at business school in the 80s, and he spoke about something called functional benchmarking, where he said you, you break your business down into little components and then you go and find the best in the world in that little component. And most mm-hmm. likely they're nowhere near your own industry, mm-hmm. but you benchmark yourself against them. Um, and, and so that principle has always remained true that you have to actually look at the whole world to work out who's the best at certain things. And you've done it in music and you've managed to translate that for our audience into you know general business principles. So for the purpose of our audience, let me just repeat those five principles which are create a quality music product, but a quality product. And it doesn't have to be your own. It can be a cover of someone else's as long as you're performing it well. Identify the demographics and geographics of your ideal customers or audience or fans, doesn't matter. Identify as many ways or channels you can think of that your customers can hear your music or buy your product. Prioritize those channels based on which ones generate the most interest and are the most profitable for you or your business or your music. And lastly, select the top one or two and duplicate the heck out of the marketing through those channels. That's a great summary of how to make a simple business very profitable. Thank you, Dave Combs, for being a guest on the Top 5 Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I hope folks will look me up on uh, the different places they can find my book and my music and and I look forward to hearing from them. I answer all my emails. They're Dave at CombsMusic.com is my email, and I answer them all. And, and I'm really honored to be on your show today, and I wish you the great success with your podcast. Thank you very much, Dave. And all those contact details will be repeated in the show notes, so they're very easy for people to, to get hold of you. Thank you very much again. Thank you. <laughs>